Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. Today's topic is my future self starts now. So I came to the program, the sobriety program to stop drinking, but I got so much more. I did not realize at the time that I walked into the program, especially back when I was continuing to drink and continuing to walk into the doors of the meetings, that my future self was going to thank me for what I've done. And while I was an active alcoholic, I thought that I was setting my future self up for a successful, you know, good income, kind of fulfilled life. But, and I I did well. I mean, when I was drinking, I still did well somehow at my job. Um... I certainly didn't do the best. I certainly wasn't the best I could be because my best self was being drowned by alcohol. But while I was struggling through showing up to work and doing things like flying to Rome and and flying to uh, to the UK to train airlines. And when I was flying to San Diego for uh, a conference or, you know, these types of things, when I was drinking, although I was going through the motions, I wasn't putting everything I had into it, (laughs) which makes me laugh because, sorry, side note. So there is this, um, this signer, like somebody who does sign language, who comes on TV and represents, uh, I think it's, oh, it's Maine. So unfortunately, we only see her when there's some sort of tragedy and they, uh, she helps, you know, those that are hearing impaired to uh, be up to date on what's going on. So the first time we'd seen her was when COVID hit. And then, of course, the recent tragedy in Maine, we saw her. And the reason why I'm bringing her up is because this woman, you can Google her. She is the sign language I don't know, representative for Maine or something. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I should have looked up her name for you, but I'm sure if you Google her, you can find it. She puts everything she has into signing. I mean, she must be exhausted when she is done because she not only is doing the sign language with her hands, but she is the most animated person 
I think I may have ever met. It's just astounding to watch her. You, even if you don't know sign language, you can almost understand what she's saying because that's how she, how dramatic she walks through this uh, when she's signing. So she is like the perfect example. In fact, my boyfriend sent a video of her to my kids and said, this is an example of putting your all into something. And this is what I was not doing uh, for most of my life. I was not putting everything I had into what I was doing. Um, and I think my, you know, now today, I am my future self from back then, right? And I was not thinking of my future self back then. I was thinking of my present self and my past self. So I wasn't feeding my future self. And although I was walking through what I felt was enough to be successful, I was dying on the inside. I was literally dying on the inside. Like my organs were starting to uh, get severely damaged to the point where they weren't quite sure if they would heal when I went to detox. So self-acceptance, you know, this idea of self-acceptance was just not even something that crossed my mind back then. Um, I didn't think about not only my future self, but I didn't think about loving my present self and it was impossible. It was impossible for me to do because I wasn't even present. So this idea crossed my mind this morning in my uh, morning sobriety meeting of what does sobriety actually look like? I mean, sorry, not sobriety. What does sanity actually look like? Um, and when I was thinking through what sanity looks like for me, to me, it looks like choices. Today, I have choices. Um, insanity looked like me being a victim. Insanity looked like me doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, right? That's what we hear what uh insane the definition of insane but that's what i was doing so that definition really uh holds true for me so for the opposite of that sanity is the ability to make choices um and whether that's choices around my behavior um, having that control from my head and my heart to my fingertips. There's uh, having the choice, the control over my feelings. Now, maybe my initial feelings, I've talked about this, my initial feelings are um, a result of having a... Uh, having a feeling attached to... Um, 
something that that happens like having a feeling attached to an emotion like something happens in my life and uh i'm my body is used to reacting in this way my body is used to reacting out of fear so some of that takes some training in order to uh, disassociate some of those uh internal like emotional reactions but the longer that I practice this I have I I am more realizing that I have the choice to uh to feel a certain way and certainly I've talked about after 90 seconds we have the choice as to whether we're going to stay in the same emotion and go through another loop of the chemicals that are uh, caused by that uh, feeling or emotion, or if we're going to decide, you know, choose happy or choose another route. So I have the choice, my, I have the choice to uh, respond instead of react. That's, so all of these choices to me is what sanity looks like. Insanity felt like I just was out of control. It felt, it looked like that and it felt like that. It was so just devastating to live like that constantly, which is why I had to drink over it. So another thing um, that I was thinking about today, so this sanity and these choices, uh, the reason why I bring that up is that this is molding my future self as well. The choices that I make today, right now, you know, in this podcast, the choices that I make right now are feeding my future self. Me doing this podcast in, in, in general is feeding my future self. So I'm going to talk about I'm going to kind of dissect that a little bit. And then another thing that I was thinking about today, I'm kind of giving you like a rundown of kind of the topics that I want to talk about, but um, is that when all is well with me, I get complacent. And this is something that has happened in sobriety And it's something that happens today with my stroke recovery. Um, I mentioned yesterday that I had headaches yesterday and I've been having headaches over the past few days. Well, today I made the decision that, nope, it's unacceptable. Every, we're going back on voiceover, everything, um, all digital devices go back on, on voiceover and my head feels a little bit better today. So I just cannot be complacent. I have to continuously do what seems like the hard stuff in order to eliminate the pain. Um, And my future self is going to thank me for that. Uh, My present self (laughs) gets frustrated, but... uh, but I know, I know from having gone through this cycle, it's like a, every month, it's like a monthly cycle, a different monthly cycle, where uh, 
I will feel good. So I start making decisions based on how I feel now, right? Based on how I feel today. I feel okay. So it won't be bad if I text somebody or I feel okay. So it wouldn't be bad if I went for a longer walk with my dog. I feel okay. So when the commanders have a touchdown, maybe I'll just peek at the TV and see the uh, celebration in the end zone. I can't do that. Um, and it's hard. It's, it's self-restraint. So that's why I really wanted to talk a little bit about what I'm doing today, what I'm doing now, and the now keeps traveling with me, right? Now, what I make, what decision I make is feeding my future self. My future self doesn't have to be 10 years from now. My future self is tonight. You know, my future self is tomorrow. Um, my future self is in December when I go to these neuro uh, psychiatric and neuro ophthalmologist appointments. These are my future selves that I need to feed. Um, if I do what I need to do to put my recovery first now, tonight, then tomorrow I get to start working on my next sewing project. Because if I don't make those decisions now to feed my future self tomorrow, then I can't enjoy tomorrow. I mean, that's, that's really the results, the immediate results that I'm getting if I do the right thing or I do the wrong thing. And there's not a lot of experiences in my life that I have had that immediate gratification from doing the right thing. Um, usually, you know, back when I was drinking, it was I had immediate gratification from drinking, which was I feel good. I drink, I feel good. And I'm not thinking of the future self of 10 years from now. I was thinking of oh, now, you know, I wasn't thinking of what I what what my future self even tomorrow was going to need because my future self tomorrow was hungover. So I was only ever living um, and feeding what desires and needs I wanted in the moment. And um, now in the stroke recovery, I'm seeing more of what I do right now can help me in an hour because that's how quick my symptoms start. Actually, it's faster than that. It's more like 10 minutes from now. So, um, so I'm constantly trying to fight this cycle. I'm trying to break the cycle. And when my head, I was thinking today, um, I was thinking about relapses and I was thinking about in sobriety how um, a lot of folks lately that I'm hearing that relapse, they say, I didn't, I didn't have very much. You know, I didn't drink that much. 
Well, they call it a slip instead of a relapse. And this is something that bothers me personally when somebody calls it a slip. Um, because once to me, if somebody enters the program and then they have a day that they quote unquote slip and they didn't have very much, that means to me that you were never actually sober, uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, because to down to downside, diminish, whatever, whatever the word is, um, what you did to, to be so minuscule, like, I had a slip, I didn't drink very much, means that, you know, it's all, it's kind of okay. I've, I've got right back on it. I'm back at the meeting. It's kind of okay that I just had a little bit of a slip. So, a relapse for me is somebody who is in the program, 100% in the program, and recognizes that if they drink, then they have absolutely disrupted their program, disrupted their serenity. There should be a feeling of Oh, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to say what anyone should feel, but do you see what the difference is to me? Um, I really think that people who slip and say that they, they didn't have that much are okay with continuing to slip because it's just a little bit. Um, a relapse to me is you go back out and drink, you come back, you don't do it again. You recognize, you learn something from it. A relapse, you learn something from it. Anyway, so that's my soapbox. So what I was thinking about today was how I feel in the stroke recovery when my head starts hurting again. It feels like what I would call uh, a slip. You see, it's like I'm saying, oh, it's okay, my head hurts a little bit. It's okay that I keep doing that. That's why I keep having this cycle every month that I keep saying, you know what, I didn't, I didn't get sharp pains in my head. It's all right. I'll just go back to voiceover. It was just I slipped away from my, from my recovery program. I need to focus on my recovery. No, I can't keep doing that. So... I hope that that makes sense, how I'm comparing the two. But what I want to do is really recognize today that that's what I'm doing when I, when I keep having this period where I slip back into my old behaviors, which is, eh, you know, it's so much faster to just text my kids with, uh, looking at my phone than it is to use voiceover. So I'm just going to do it really quick. I have to stop doing that because every time I do that, every time I do a small thing that aggravates my vision, my head, um, and my vision, it, it stacks on top of each other so that 
when I do something like take my dog for a walk, I actually get this sensation between my eyes and my brain that feels like I just put on somebody's like 10 inch thick eyeglasses. If you know, if you ever put on somebody's eyeglasses that has really bad vision and you get this really uncomfortable sensation behind your eyes, like there is something wrong back there. I had that today. Um, and I have that frequently, um, when I start getting my symptoms aggravated. So I would really like to, um, because I'm taking the time today to recognize that, that hopefully I can start breaking that cycle. Um, so when I'm talking about feeding my future self, I'm talking about physically, so getting back to um, not having an excuse to get on my phone and my computer. Like, as soon as I do something small, it's like I think, okay, well, since I texted my kids, then it's okay. I'll also do this. I'll also post something on Instagram, which if you are friends with me on Instagram, I've posted a couple little videos of my bulldog watching Reuben the bulldog, um, if you know who Reuben the bulldog is. And so I had a video of Boris, my bulldog, watching Reuben the bulldog on my laptop. And it was hilarious. To me, it was hilarious. And I don't know where to draw that line. I mean, I know where the line is. The line is I can't post stuff like that. Like I can't, I want to share it. So how do I, how do I enjoy and share those moments with somebody when nobody is around? You know, think about that. I can't do I can I can enjoy watching Boris watch Ruben on the TV on the computer but um well first of all if I was taking care of my head I wouldn't even have Ru Boris watching Ruben on the computer because my computer would have a black screen and I would be on voiceover so there's my answer but that's my challenge all of this is my challenge and I'm just airing it. So thank you for being here and letting me just talk about all of this out loud, what my challenges are, because I feel lately like I, I can't share my, I can't share, like communicate with anybody. Um, I can't like share pictures and stuff like that. People send me pictures. Well, I'm, I, if I'm protecting myself, I can't look at pictures, um, except for I allow myself to look at pictures that people text me one time at the end of the day. And I had been making excuses to look at pictures and I can't keep doing that. So 
Um, I'm venting a little bit. So taking care of my future self physically, emotionally, um, I, when I had my conversation just recently with another stroke survivor, um, that I spoke about last week, she talked about the importance of me, uh, crying if I need to cry. And I have not really felt like I need to cry, but I have emotions like frustrations and stuff like that. I just don't, they never seem to get bad enough that I need to cry. Um, maybe it's cause I'm talking so much about it. So I don't feel like I'm stuffing my emotions. But um, maybe it's because I never get to that point where I'm really, really talking about what's deep inside of me. Um, so I may benefit from calling, I don't know, somebody and, and tr testing it out and saying, do you mind if I talk about how I feel? You know, maybe I'll do that. I'll call my sponsor and say, do you mind if I talk about how I feel and see if I cry? <laughs> I'm going to do that. So uh, note to self. I don't think my sponsor listens to this. <laughs> so I'll have to tell her. I will forewarn her. Um, or if any of you know her, forewarn her. She's going to be the victim of my emotional test. And then mentally, I think that I am feeding my future self, um, doing, going to my meetings, doing this podcast, um, making sure that I'm constantly engaged in some hobby. Um, I'm writing a book. And so I think these hobbies are, are what's really feeding my future self. So I feel like mentally I'm good. Um, Okay, so uh, one thing that came to mind when I was thinking about recovery was physical recovery. So physical therapy. Um, not too long ago, maybe about a year ago, I was, oh, this year went by so fast. Maybe it was more than a year ago. I went to a physical therapist because my hips were hurting. Um, long story, but I hurt my hips doing a Avon walk. And when I went to physical therapy, the solution by this physical therapist was to lift weights. So I thought that that was interesting. I did stretches and then I did a lot of weightlifting. And so learning that when I'm experiencing pain, whether it's emotional or physical, that I need to lean into the pain and build that muscle around it. Um, that really resonated with me today regarding feeding my future self. Um, in order for me to prepare to handle um, s 
certain things in the future, I need to lean into what hurts and start building the muscle around it. Um, So emotionally, just like I said that I'm going to call my sponsor, emotionally, I need to lean into what hurts and start to strengthen my ability to process those emotions. So that's what I'm going to work on with my sponsor. I'm kind of excited about that. Um, Okay, so talking more about my future self, I was thinking about what I'm passionate about one day may not be what I'll what I'm passionate about the next day. So there are certain underlying consistencies, but I continue to have different perspectives on any given day. For example, I go to this sobriety meeting that I have. I go to it every single morning at 7 a.m. And that means that I hear the same things over and over again. (laughs) I mean, probably not for a year do I read the same thing twice. But I am, you know, once we talk about step four, for example, then in April of the next year, so it's the fourth month we go over step four, So in April of next year, we're going to talk about step four again. And I consistently have a whole new perspective of each step each time I hear about them and read about them in the big book. So this really resonates with me that in the same way, my perspective on my recovery from stroke is going to change over time. And I want to talk about how what I can do today to welcome that change in perspective tomorrow. What I can do today to accept the fact that I may be super passionate about something and that's going to totally change tomorrow and be okay with it. So I'll see if I can articulate that a little better. But I could have never imagined how different... I would be today than I was 10 years ago. And how, so how do I feed my future self when I'm unaware of who that future self is? I don't know what I'm going to be passionate about 20 years from now. I didn't know 30, when I was 36 that I'd have a stroke when I was 46. I pause because I'm thinking there's, (laughs) this is a total, 
uh, I'm such a shiny coin type, type person, but uh, side note, uh, I did think at some point when I was writing my notes for this podcast, I thought, you know, somewhere between when I was 36 and 46, I remember thinking if, if I were to lose one of my senses, which one would I prefer it to be? And my conclusion was my vision. Isn't that interesting? Uh, because the reason why I thought that was because when I close my eyes, I can still see. That was my, that was my conclusion uh, when I was thinking about that. Anyways, okay, sorry. So, uh, so how do I feed my future self? Okay, so I have three uh, suggestions that I heard um in a YouTube video today. So one is to build, be the architect of your future is what the podcast said. So experience and have curiosity. Drive the, drive the change through experience and curiosity. Instead of letting life happen and having your future self be molded by life, you can own the curiosity that leads to the experiences that mold your future self. That was my interpretation of being the architect of your future. Number two, consider, this is what I was talking about uh, a few moments ago. Consider that you may disagree in the future with your perspective today. So remain open-minded. And I, I think that this is something that we could all practice. Uh, you know, I, man, I am so bullheaded. I just am so bullheaded. And I think one of the things that I've been learning most over the past two years is to be more open-minded, to not have my decision, my opinion made up already. Because I've lived my whole life having already formed my opinion about things. And in my career with the boss that I have that I love so much and my boyfriend, I am learning, some, some people take longer than others, I'm learning to not close the door after my opinion has been formed. To form my opinion and let it, let it sit there 
and proof. <laughs> I'm making bread right now. So let my opinion sit there like dough and let it proof, you know, let it grow at the speed that it, you know, on its own, but let it be impacted by its environment, you know, let it, it let it not grow if, if it's not in a healthy environment to grow. So number three, the, uh, our opportunities give us wisdom. So be brave. What I can't do today doesn't mean I won't be able to do it tomorrow. Um, that is something that I'm a little challenged with right now because I don't know uh, some of these things physically that I can't do today. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it tomorrow. But mentally, there's one thing that I'm sure of, and that is that when I can't cope with something today, that if I practice, I will be able to cope tomorrow. I will. It is not a question. It will happen. Um, sometimes it takes a year and a half to cope. Uh, sometimes it takes a week to cope. But what is no longer in question in my life, and this is because I've gained the wisdom, the experience, I've had the opportunities, the losses that turn into opportunities to grow the wisdom to know that I will cope. So our choices today shape our future selves. Again, our mistakes are invaluable. So those mistakes that turn into opportunities to learn, they're invaluable. Our imperfections make our journey unique. I always talk about how I am not unique, but my journey is unique. And that's why I want to write a book. Because as much as nothing that I think or believe is something that nobody ever in the whole world has ever thought or believed, um, you know, that's, I'm not unique in that way, but my journey is unique and how I've been able to apply all of these concepts to having all, you know, the adversities that I have dealt with in my life. So these, these mistakes, these imperfections, these are what give us wisdom and my resilience is what enables me to have a happy ending. And I'm not talking about a happy ending when I'm on my deathbed. <laughs> I'm talking about a happy ending right now. So 
if I think about my present self versus my future self, I can stick the happy ending wherever I want. You know what I mean? Um, So I'll talk a little bit about that pivot, that pivot between my present self and my future self. So my sensitivity is a good example. I've always been super sensitive. I cried a lot. Um, And this was all the way up until I got sober. Isn't that interesting? I'm talking about now how I'm like, I mean, I don't think I really have a reason, like not a reason, but I don't really feel like I need to cry. Um, But yet I spent my whole life crying. (laughs) Maybe I'm all cried out. I don't know. But this sensitivity was something that I thought was a weakness for so long. And today... I believe wholeheartedly that my sensitivity is my superpower. And my disease of alcoholism that almost killed me now gives me a reason to feel more alive than I've ever felt in my life. You know, I know what it feels like to be dying. On the inside. My stroke that I battle with each day, my stroke symptoms, I should say, that I battle with each day, um, I'm always being convinced that, that I'm broken. You know, being convinced. I'm convincing myself that I'm broken. And I have to correct myself. I have to challenge my own thoughts about being damaged. And instead, that my stroke has thrust me into into a new direction in life. Um, I was thinking about a It's a stroke. It's more like a stroke that you make with a paddle in a boat towards an open sea, you know? Like my stroke was actually a stroke in a new direction, a new positive direction for me. And it's been painful. It's been emotionally painful. Um... I still am not completely done grieving my career. It's just, you know, it's, it's just so upsetting to me. Um, but something I did today made me, I, I brought what I learned in my career, um, to the surface today as I was doing some planning for this book that I'm writing and, um, and it felt pretty good. And that kind of thing makes me smile because it makes me realize that what I had done at this job was, (laughs) was feeding my future self, even though I had no idea. Again, I didn't know where I was going to be. 
the things that I was learning in my career, I didn't know how they were going to help me today after a stroke, but they are. Um, they're helping me to to do these new these new aspirations that I have. So now is a pivotal point. Now is where an experience becomes a lesson. Right now is where I convert what I learned in my job to something that I can use right now. Now is the time that my resilience kicks in for future me. Right now, as I'm talking on this podcast, my resilience in this moment to look back and grieve the job that I have lost due to my stroke symptoms. The resilience of being able to look back at that and to be hopeful for the future is feeding the future future me. <laughs> and right now is the time that I need to be curious. Now is the time when I need to challenge what I know to be right. What I think I need to do right now my perspective may change tomorrow. So I need to be open to having that new perspective. Now is when I need to be brave and focus on the possibilities and not my limitations. Now is sometimes when I open my eyes in the morning, right? That's when I need to focus on the possibilities, not the limitations, right now. Because my future self starts now. It's always starting now. What am I going to do to give her her best life? And it matters now, not tomorrow. It matters right now because we only have today. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you tomorrow.